When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. After view distorting the belt, they're proclaiming the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. Woo! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Captain Lou Extravaganza live here on the Captain Lou Sports Network, powered up by the Belly Up Sports Network of Podcasts. Sit back and enjoy as we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of sports, everything from the Detroit Lions to the state of Michigan sports to around the country and around the world. So what are you waiting for? Let's get out there. And let's watch the latest edition of the Captain Lou Extravaganza. And good evening, everybody. Indeed, welcome to another edition of the Captain Lou Extravaganza. We are live here on uh, the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube. As always, powered up by the Belly Up Sports Network of Podcasts. Uh, thrilled to death is, uh, to be a part of that network. All blessed uh, as well to be there. Uh, check us out, bellyupsports.com, the complete list of podcasts that we bring you each and every week, every day for that matter. And also check out bellyupsports.com for the latest articles on everything going on in the world of sports. The four major sports, college, pro, you name it, uh, even some of the ones you don't think about all the time. So that's bellyupsports.com. And we got a great show planned for you tonight. March 1st, that means... March Madness is coming around the corner, and uh, we're going to be joined here shortly by one of our own here from Belly Up Sports, Taran Subramanian. I hope I got that right. We'll get him on here shortly. We'll talk everything you need to know about March Madness coming up here, wow, in uh, about two weeks, just about the same time that uh, the ACHA National Tournament kicks off. The reveal show for the uh, March Madness is March 13th, I believe. So, yeah, we're like 12 days away. A lot going on before that, so we'll talk to Tara in here shortly. Uh, after that, we're going to touch on the Red Wings. Uh, they made uh, a trade here tonight as part of the trade deadline. We'll go over some of the big trades in the NHL. Also, the Wings signed Dylan Larkin to an eight-year contract, <clears throat> 8.75 per year. 
There's no question now. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be a Red Wing for the foreseeable future. And uh, as I mentioned, we'll talk about some of the other trades as well. And of course, I'll give you my two cents on the load management situation going on in the NBA. I got in a little uh, war of words with uh, someone from uh, Fox Sports, Jason McIntyre to be exact. So we'll talk about that. I'll give you my view on that as well. So without any further ado, let's bring in our guest here this uh, March the 1st. Taryn, how are you? Uh, Taryn Sub-Romanian. Did I get that right? Hey, Lou, I got to give you credit for the first time, uh, for a first time person trying to pronounce it pretty close. It's Taryn Subramanian, uh, but you can call me Subi. Everyone just calls me Subi. Subi? Uh, All right. I can yeah. dig it. But Lou, it's great to be on. I really appreciate you reaching out. You're right. March 1st is here. Super pumped to be talking to you about college hoops. Oh man. You know, it's funny is I have, I've started watching more in the last month. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything compared to the NBA, but I really don't start watching basketball until usually around uh, January after football season starts coming to a close. And Subi, my first question to you is, man, it's a wide open season coming up for March Madness. Uh, have you seen it lately where there's so many teams that have a legit shot at running the table and getting the national championship? It is wide open. I, th I think that's the general consensus. The only thing that I would push back, not on necessarily you, Lou, but there's a narrative going around that, quote, everybody stinks. And <laughs> I don't necessarily buy that. I, I think there are some very strong teams like Houston, Alabama, Kansas wins their uh, share of the Big 12 title for the yeah. millionth time, it seems. Yeah. So I don't want people to think that or, or be jaded and think that everyone should go into the tournament like a 2015 Kentucky who was undefeated. Uh, right. There are some really strong teams, but you're right. It is wide open. When I look at, let's say the, the 10th ranked team in the country right now versus yes. the 21st ranked team, I don't see much of a difference. And if you put them on a neutral floor in a tough environment, I could see 21 or 22 beating a 10 and I wouldn't be that shocked. You know, that's funny is you look at a Kansas State at 11. We'll go over kind of the bracketology, the latest one anyways, as of today. Kansas State is projected to be a 2C, but I'm right there with you. You talk about 10 or 11 and 21, that's Maryland. And I look at the Big Ten and you go on the road, you get thumped or even at home. I mean, Iowa against Indiana the, the other night, uh, Iowa goes to Indiana and wins by almost 20. Holy cow. I just, man, it is crazy. It's it's certainly tough to make sense of the Big Ten, especially. <laughs> uh, I think I was listening to SVP yesterday or last night. And uh -huh. after that, that Iowa win in Bloomington, oh. he basically said, look, I could see Indiana as high as a two. I think that's a bit far-fetched, but yeah. I get his point, the point that he's making or as low as a nine. And there's still a ton of season and postseason. Of course, I'm talking about the Big Ten tournament to be played out the the middle of the big 10 is just a complete mess and it's oh. going to be super interesting to see uh what happens here the next week and a half well you know we'll, we'll dive into the big 10 right now because uh obviously that's i believe you're from chicago and i'm from uh you know just outside east lansing um you know i look at the projection today if the season ended today michigan would be the three seed in the big 10 tournament and I still 
I have my doubts that they're going to get in to, into the into the NCAA tournament. Now they're projected as one of the first four out. I just if Jet Howard isn't healthy, I think that's going to come back to bite him. They got two tough road games coming up yet, but if you'd have told me they're the third best team in the Big Ten, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said you're nuts. Conference plays is incredible. You look at <laughs> Michigan's performance in the out-of-conference schedule, and it was not very good. They lost to ASU, who's another bubble yeah. team. Uh, but Michigan, hat tip to them. Uh, they, or I should say Hunter Dickinson himself, yeah. he single-handedly saved the season because oh. if they lose to Wisconsin, NIT, it's pretty much Big Ten tournament or bust. Yeah, right Now maybe they can garner some more goodwill with those two road games like you had mentioned maybe make some noise in the big 10, but it's not a necessity. I don't think for them to win the big 10 title. The thing with Michigan Lou is, I mean, I totally agree with you. I I don't think they're a threat without jet Howard, but I didn't think they'd belonged last year. And lo and behold, they made the sweet 16 and beat a Tennessee team. They're just, they're just a crazy team that who knows could get hot and, and make it to the second round. But I, I will say, and we discussed this on my program a couple nights ago, uh, I will say the, the Wisconsin-Michigan game, it was super important for both teams, both fan bases. Yeah. Neither of those teams moved me, though, in terms of uh, seeing them advance far. No, I agree. And, you know, it leads to my next question. It seems like every year the Big Ten will get eight teams, sometimes nine in recent memory. And more often than not, Subi, they lay an egg. I mean, it's just they get beat in the first couple of rounds. Obviously, Michigan made it to the Sweet 16, but I just – why is that? What has been what has been the reason the last couple of years that the Big Ten has been so disappointing once they've gotten into the big dance? I'm not sure. I think and – it's, and it's funny. I'm actually a Pac-12 guy, so I went to Arizona, and the last national title the Pac-12 boasted was Arizona in 97. Uh, I think the last – national title winner that the big 10 had was Michigan state. Yes. Mateen Cleaves, uh, Tom Izzo, of course. So I don't necessarily know how I can diagnose it, but what I would say is uh, the last few years, Purdue Purdue has been such a buzzsaw. And I was actually in uh, Philadelphia last year when they were shocked by St. Peter's. Okay. And I, I don't know. I, I, I look at it and I'm trying to think to myself, how does a team like Purdue get upset? And it seems like they always do get upset and never really reach yeah. their full potential in March. Michigan, I think they lost to UCLA a couple of years back. Yeah. Where I thought they were the better team. Yeah. Um, Indiana is just now finding their stride. I think Mike Woodson's been doing a great job with them, oh, but I agree. They were a play in team last year. Now we'll see what happens with them this year. Rutgers, I'm, I'm looking for them to take that next step in the maturation process. Iowa, they get upset by Richmond last year. Lou, uh, the the I, I don't know. I suppose is the best way I can describe it because they have the competition and they're prepped and ready to go. You would seem to think, and yet somehow they lose to St. Peter's and Richmond. I can't really tell uh, you. I know it's the mystery that abounds every year for the Big Ten, and it seems like in college football as well. You know, they get they get the ink, they get the glory, but then when it comes to crunch time in the bowl season and now in the uh, March Madness portion, it's uh, they sometimes don't live up to expectations, that's for sure. Hey, I wanted to ask you, I'm going to jump all around, so bear with me. Please you brought do. up a point a little bit earlier about how somebody, all these people, the pundits say everybody stinks. 
what cracks me up, and I'm kind of wearing the Gonzaga shirt here tonight, is what they what are they 25 and five or whatever it is, and they're ranked what 10th or 11th or whatever, and everybody thinks that it's a disappointing season for Mark Few. <laughs> I'm not gonna. To me, they're they're gonna be a tournament player. They're I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go all the way to the Final Four again, but. It's nice to have expectations and have a disappointing season being only five losses. Gonzaga has set the bar so remarkably high, <laughs> not just for themselves, but even for other programs. Yeah. You think about the the team with Jalen Suggs that went all the way to the national title game. They were undefeated. People yeah. forget that. They were undefeated, and so that puts to rest the whole, well, they can only just play in their, in their conference. Yeah. Well, they ran through the NCAA tournament. Granted, they got they got smacked up pretty good by Baylor, who was another tremendous team. Yeah. But the standards are so high for Gonzaga. And I'm wondering to myself, and I've been watching them, Lou. I think it's a terrific question that you're posing. Number one, no, I don't think it'd be a disappointing season for them. But I'm wondering to myself, is this a better thing where the eyes of the nation are not on them. They yeah. don't have a Chet Holmgren anymore who was right. a, a lottery pick. They got really good st- players. They got Drew Timmy, who's a really great college basketball player, Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton. But I'm wondering to myself, and I'm thinking back, when Gonzaga really made their hay and started building this, this empire as we know them today, basically leaving as a mid-major. I know they're a mid-major, but nobody really considers them that. No. It was when they were winning these games, it was when people didn't necessarily expect them. The last four four or five years, people have been saying, all right, I expect Gonzaga to be at that one line. And then when they don't hoist a national title, uh, it's a disappointing season. This season, I think there's a little less pressure on them. And you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw them going far. To be honest with you, I kind of see that with Duke as well. Uh, they've been they, they haven't lost at home at all. Yeah. And I think a lot of people wrote them off just because they're not ranked. I don't know if they have the ceiling as Gonzaga, but let's not just say that Duke's going to be done in the first game. You know, you bring up Duke, and it's funny. Have you ever – it's like they're under the radar. And when was the last time you could say anything like that about a Duke team? I can't. <laughs> and, and to your point, what did I hear this morning um, – uh, I, I can't remember their, their, their coach. He's a rookie coach. I know everybody knows that, but he's the first rookie coach, I think, in Duke history to go undefeated at home. John Shire. It's crazy. John Shire. And I'm like, wow, what a, that, what a stat. I don't know if in coaching succession, coaching replacement history, there have been bigger shoes to fill than oh. Coach K at Duke. Yeah. I, I mean, you'd have to go back to um, – uh, when uh, Gene Bartle uh, took over for John Wooden, you know, that's uh, a great point. 50 years ago or whatever, 45, 50 years ago, kind of dating myself. Cause I can remember that. So um, yeah, it's, and I think he's done a hell of a job. You're right. Can you, can you imagine the amount of pressure that he was under this year? No, I, I, I do think he's done a tremendous job. And I think entering the season, there was a ton of talent, And the question was, can he cultivate that talent? And there were some rough patches in the beginning of the year. I think they started somewhere around top 10, maybe top 15. Uh And then they tumbled out and they were losing, losing to teams that they weren't necessarily used to losing to as a, as a program. But when you look at it and you say to yourself, wow, they didn't lose at all at Cameron. That's huge. 
Yeah. That, that is a monster, monster win in year one for John Shire. And I think he's shown the ability already to recruit. Let's see how he does uh, with these coaching situations and now starting to build them back up into a power. Now, when you talk about Duke, you have to talk about North Carolina, eight miles down the road. And, uh, you know, it's hard for me to believe that North Carolina is one of the first four out as well. I don't buy that. I think they're going to find a way to let them in. If they're anywhere close, I just think the committee is going to put them in. But even saying North Carolina and play-in game in the same breath to me, I never thought I'd hear that, but I got a feeling there might be a chance that they could be in a play-in game. It's a possibility, absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if we saw like a Carolina-Kentucky in a play-in <laughs> game? Kentucky's very squarely in, for sure. Yeah. But uh, Carolina, I agree with you, Lou. I think they're going to get in not only a majority on merit. I think they have the opportunity to get hot here. They just beat Virginia, which was a terrific, yes. terrific win. Uh, and they needed that one. They also have a great opportunity at home against Duke and the ACC. If they the ACC tournament, if they can win a few games in there, it's a distinct possibility. Uh, I think a lot of people think the ACC is down as a conference, uh, maybe relatively speaking to what ACC standards are, but uh, this is still a pretty solid conference. Pitt has shown the ability yeah. to be good. Virginia, I, I still like. Even a team like Clemson only has single-digit losses. So I do think Carolina is going to somehow wind up getting in. Uh, and if a little bit of that comes from name cachet, I wouldn't be surprised either. Well, you know, and it's funny. You, you mentioned that about saying that they might be a little bit down seems like they've said that the last couple of years and lo and behold, you get an ACC team in the final four or, you know, in the championship game. And it's, so I will, I will never say that anymore about the ACC Subi because it seems like whenever I do, they come up and bite me right in the behind. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those teams makes a deep run. Neither would I. And I, and just real quick, my last point on the ACC Yeah, last year, last year, half the field, of the final four was ACC Duke and Carolina. <laughs> yeah, It very well could have been 75% because Miami lost to Kansas in the elite eight. Oh, so think right. about that. If Miami beats Kansas three wow. out of the final four, final four teams would have been from the ACC, man. You know, that's funny. That's a great point. Um, Subi, our guest here tonight from the college theater, college, uh, the theater of college hoops. I'll get that right. And okay. it's a great podcast. I invite you to check it out. Part of the Belly Up Network of Podcast. Uh, thrilled to have them with us tonight. It's March 1st in this area. They call it January, February, Izzo. So, and so I, I give him his props every year because he always finds a way to do something in the Big Ten tournament. But um, what I want, you know, next on my kind of my thought process here with the with the big guy uh, with March Madness around the corner. I, what do you think of the chances for a team like Marquette winning the Big East? I always I hearken back to the eighties when the big East was, you know, the dominant conference and maybe into the nineties, but give me your thoughts on uh, the golden Eagles of Marquette. So first and foremost, I am very envious of the good folks of Milwaukee because they're being yeah. treated to a great product in the NBA Whoa. and also in college, right? Yes. Yes. 100%. It's, it's been a, it's been a great ride for them. So as it pertains to Marquette and their future, to be honest with you, Lou, I don't necessarily think that they're going to match okay. uh, what their 
ranking is right now, which is six. So usually the top yeah. six, top seven is reserved for an elite eight team, maybe a final four team. I don't know if Marquette can get that far. Of course, we got to see how the matchups break down, but I think this is just a magical season for them. I wouldn't be, I, I, I won't be picking them in the big East tournament because I think there's a bit too much, uh, parody and, and, and I don't know if they've been in these shoes before, but what I will say about Marquette, despite the fact that I don't think that they have a incredibly deep run, which is for me, elite eight final four, I could definitely see them playing in the sweet 16. But what I will say for Marquette is they have done such a tremendous job. You talk about coach of the year candidates and Jerome Tang at Kansas mm-hmm. state, even bill self at Kansas Shaka smart needs to be on that short list. Yeah. Because everyone was talking about UConn, especially Creighton in the Big East. Can Providence repeat? Um, They were talking about literally everyone in the Big East except for Marquette. I think they were picked ninth. And look at them, outright champions. Tyler Kolek is the Big East player of the year. I do love guard play. So I think if they rely on him, maybe they can go pretty deep. Uh, so in terms of the outlook, I just think there's a lot more seasoned and maybe even talented teams than Marquette, but that does not take away from what a tremendous season they've had. And Shaka Smart really seems like he's fitting well there. Why does the Pac-12 not get the respect that a lot of I think they deserve? I mean, I, from a football standpoint, I love it that they don't get it. But from I, I, from a basketball standpoint, I know they've got UCLA. And, you know, I believe USC might be a player this year. Uh, Arizona is usually up there, but it always seems like they just, is it because folks still on the East Coast don't get to watch them? And it seems like every year they fight that disrespect card and they can play it. And I believe that they deserve to play that card. But why is it? Well, I think there's a couple of different factors. One, something that I already referenced. They haven't had a national title winner since 97. Okay. You got it. You got to end up winning some of these, some of these titles. (laughs) Okay. You got it. I mean, so I I take blame for that as a Pac-12 representative, number one. Number two, Lou, you hit on something that I'm actually going to talk about on our show that comes out tomorrow. And it's not, it's, it's not portraying and showing off your top matchups. Arizona plays at UCLA on Saturday. That's okay. a top eight matchup, eight oh, versus sure. four. Can you guess what time that that tips? Let me guess, uh, 11 o'clock or 10.30 Eastern time? Close, 10 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. That's, wow, boy. <laughs> I'd have to take a nap to watch that with the hours that I keep. Exactly. And it's just not feasible. It's not feasible for folks to watch a guy like Jaime Jaquez, to watch a guy like Azulis Tabellis for Arizona. And so when you talk about not getting the, the respect – point blank period some people just don't have the hours and the energy to watch some of these matchups because they're asleep or it's just too late in the day so i think you know the the not being able to win since 97 not showcasing your product but i also do think that there is a toughness factor and there is there is something to be said about that because arizona they've been to multiple elite eights but they've lost to teams from conferences that are perceived and honestly, in truth, Mm -hmm. probably tougher two times to Wisconsin out of the big 10 once to UConn out of the big East Uh, UCLA loses a heartbreaker to uh, Gonzaga. But even before that, I think they lost to a team like Carolina in 08. So they just got it. They got to win a title. They got to win a title. All right. Um, 
I told you he was going to be jumping around. I forgot about this in the ACC. What the holy hell has happened to Louisville? Well, so first of all, I don't know if you caught this yesterday, but did you see the dog, the dog performing? (laughs) Taking a number two on the court. Oh, my God. That was funny. Oh, it kind of encapsulated their whole season, huh? Isn't it though? Yeah. I look, I, I don't know. I, I didn't mind the Kenny Payne hire because yeah. he, I, I, I was lucky enough to have former Kentucky player, Nate Sestina on the program. Okay. And he spoke uh, amazing words about Kenny Payne and how great he was. And so I did think that this was going to be something that could work for Louisville. I always thought it was going to be a challenge. So they lost to Bellarmine early in the season. I was like, that actually doesn't shock me too much. But they weren't even competitive this year. No. And that is what shocked me. And that is troubling. And it's especially troubling because they they have a team. They have a team that they can exactly compare themselves to. And that's Maryland. They yeah. had a first-year head coach in Kevin Willard. Yep. The roster was in disarray. Look where Maryland's at. They're 21. They're doing yeah. just fine. Yep. So I think what the issue was is there's no buy-in from the Louisville folks. Uh, I don't think Kenny Payne's. I, I, I will say Kenny Payne has had a very difficult time uh, trying to get through to his players. He's really only got one guy, I think, that's fully committing, committing it looks like, and that's L. Ellis. No matter what the score, time of game, he's going to give you 100%. But Kenny, I think it's got to start with Kenny Payne, and if he doesn't get off to a f- relatively hot start next year, shoot, he might even already be on the hot seat there. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, because you look at – Every once in a while, one of the Blue Bloods has a down year. Uh, Michigan had a few. Uh, North Carolina a couple of years back or whatever. Even Duke, I think, one year under Coach K didn't make it. But in UCLA, but never this bad. And I've this, is, this has been a collapse for the ages for a Blue Blood. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's and, and it stinks because it's a team that I personally think makes the sport better. Yeah. And it makes the rivalry of Louisville-Kentucky that much better do you ever in speaking of teams that have been disappointing uh, you know i didn't think georgetown would be this bad either i feel bad for patrick ewing because i know you know his heart bleeds for georgetown he's an alum he's a you know hall of famer the, the whole nine yards and i just i truly feel bad for the guy i feel terrible terrible for him as well because of all the things that you said and i also feel icky kind of gross uh, critiquing a legend like Patrick yeah. Ewing, just a basketball lifer legend, because I know how much he's given to the game. I know how great he is. Sometimes that just doesn't translate to the bench no. and the experiment hasn't worked at Georgetown. And I think in the back of Patrick Ewing's mind, he knows that yeah. he's saying all the right things. He's like, look, as long as they'll have me, I'm going to give it 110%. And I think that he's done that. However, they are in the cellar, the absolute bottom of the big Boy. east yeah. and there was a point this season where they were celebrating a big east win for the first time in like a calendar year that can't happen at a program like georgetown and i think what kills patrick ewing is he knows that cannot happen at a program like georgetown because of all of his contributions right right he's a, a pillar of that yeah. community so uh, I think it's over there for, for Ewing Wolves. Yeah. I mean, look, he's pulled out a miraculous Big East tournament run and made the tournament before when they had no business going to the yeah. tournament. We'll see what he does this time, but I do think uh, it, it's over there uh, at the end of the season for Patrick Ewing. 
For his sake, I hope you're right. I hope he can pull out a miracle, but I think I agree with you, unfortunately. I think they may be looking elsewhere next year. Um, give me a couple of mid-majors that I should look for in the uh, that you might have an eye on in the March Madness. I can absolutely do that, Lou. So first and foremost, Oral Roberts. Okay. They're perfect in conference play. Wow. Right? They have not lost. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they should have been ranked. Uh, okay. I might make that that maybe like a 24 or 25, but right. Oral hey. Roberts, they got a dude, Max Azemus. And the thing is, Max Azemus was on this Oral Roberts team where I think two, maybe three years ago, two or three years ago, they upset number two, Ohio State. Yes, so that actually, that. that goes to your Big Ten woes. I, I should have brought them up. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. So uh, look out for Oral Roberts. I think they could be really good. Uh, watch out also for Florida Atlantic FAU dusty may has done an awesome job in Boca Raton. Really? They actually have been ranked this season. Uh, they've been running through the conference yeah. USA. I believe they're in. That's funny. That's because if you look at bracketology, that's who they've got uh, Michigan state playing in the opening round. So I'll keep an eye on them. Great, great, great. Be, team. Be be prepared for for Dusty May's team and FAU because, okay. like I said, they've been ranked, uh, and then they're very good. And then the last team I'll give you there, Lou, is Colgate. Colgate out of the Patriot. Wow. Matt Langle I, is their head coach. I genuinely think he should be, if he wants to. I don't know if he necessarily wants to leave Colgate, but he should have the opportunity to be a high level D one coach. I'm not joking. If Louisville doesn't, if 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 it doesn't work out with. Uh, Kenny Payne, and if Georgetown, they move on from Patrick Ewing, I would seriously look at Matt Langle. And the reason I say that is because he owns the Patriot League. They always win that conference. But more so, they give their first-round matchup serious, serious trouble in the NCAA tournament. They almost picked off Wisconsin last year. Year prior to that, they almost picked off Arkansas. Colgate, keep an eye out for right. them, Oral Roberts, and FAU. I like it. I like it. I will definitely do that. All right, let's go real quick. Um, first four in, first four out. I'll just give you the, what they've got at Bracketology, and I know it's going to change these bubble teams. Um, last four in, Mississippi State, Boise, Wisconsin, Arizona State. Um, I, I don't know much about Boise State. Uh, Wisconsin, I've watched enough. We talked about them earlier with Michigan. It just it, It's hard for me to get excited about them because they're just – I don't know that they've been so underachieving in my opinion of any of those four, which of those four do you think is the safest? Lou, I am, I'm speaking your language. First and foremost, I am so tired. The other night I had a, a bunch of bones to pick with the bubble, get Wisconsin out of here. I don't want to see them anywhere near the bubble. They are, they should be in big 10 title or bust mode. Okay. Uh, safest though. I do believe that will be Boise state. Okay. Boise state had a great, Great win against ranked SDSU at home just last night. They had to pull off a 12, I think it was a 12 or 14 nothing run over the course of the final five minutes. Boise State has done an awesome job this year. Uh, Max Rice, Tyson Deckenhart, and their head coach, who is Max Rice's dad, Leon Rice. Uh, I, I think Boise State should be off that bubble safely in. Okay. And then the first four out right now, we talked about them North Carolina, Michigan. Uh, you, you mentioned Clemson might uh, be able to make a run to get in. And then the last one is Oklahoma state. Um, yeah, I, 
I still think North Carolina is going to find a way in and Michigan. I still think they have to split their last two games, somehow get a road win and at least win one game in the big 10 tournament, if not two. I think that's feasible for Michigan to be perfectly honest with you. So I wouldn't be surprised if I saw, or if we heard Michigan's name on selection Sunday, as well as North Carolina's name. Now I do think Carolina has a more, more favorable schedule just in the sense that the ACC is worse than the big 10. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw both of those two teams in the field as it pertains to Oklahoma state. They're another team that really, I had a bone to pick with the bottom three or four in the big 12 consists of them, West Virginia, Texas tech and Oklahoma, Texas tech and Oklahoma, get them out. They're done. I think the same thing for Oklahoma state. Uh, They were favored against Baylor. Who's a tremendous team, right? But that wasn't even competitive at home. (laughs) So I'm done with Oklahoma state. Unless of course they win the big 12 tournament. I forget the fourth team that you had mentioned there. Uh, I think it was, um, let me take a peek here. I thought it was Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma State, Clemson. North Carolina. Yep. So Clemson might have some work to do. I think it's going to be a very, very uh, anxious selection okay. Sunday for them. So let me ask you, what do you do first weekend? What's your favorite way to watch the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Curl up on the couch uh, and just take the days off from work, Thursday oh. and Friday. Yeah, I have to do that. Um, it's, it's funny when I get a response, I mean, it's, it's cordial from my leader. They're just basically saying, Oh, you got anything fun plan going anywhere? I'm like, not really. I'm just going to be watching (laughs) basketball for hours on end. So it's, it's a lot of delivery food sitting on the couch and just being hot on, uh, the clicker. I got to go from, you got to identify your channels. Now, if you don't know where TBS, TNT, (laughs) True TV, CBS, <laughs> get on that now. But Lou, I'm a very simple man and straightforward. Just hop to the couch. Not, nothing wrong with that. I will be in Boston for the ACHA National Championship Tournament doing play-by-play that first weekend. But I will have my – I'll be watching the hockey and doing this, looking at my phone for updates and all that throughout the weekend. That's for sure. Um, what about Selection Sunday? Are you going to be glued to CBS? Yeah, exactly. So I actually might be doing a live show. Oh, nice. So as the picks roll in live reactions, uh, I think that could be fun. But yeah, I do love selection Sunday. I joke about it. I, I call it the holy day. Uh, it's, it's honestly one of my favorite days of the year and, uh, I really can't wait. And there's Lou, there's nothing better than I'm old school in this sense. I print out my bracket, nothing better than just a fresh, plain bracket that you're staring at and then you just go to town making your edit so i'm looking forward to selection sunday wow what a novel concept huh (laughs) so are you are do you have a feeling either either way about the big 10 championship game on that tournament being right before selection sunday would you prefer it on saturday that's a great question you know i've i've been asked a lot of college basketball questions lou i think that's the first time i've ever been asked that wow and it's super unique i i I don't know so as a player i think i'd rather it saturday saturday screams a little bit more prime time and i don't know maybe i can shower get a little bit more dressed be more comfortable uh I, i think about a team like well if michigan gets all the way to the title game yeah, they they shouldn't worry too much right, about right, getting in. Right, but uh, I don't know. I'm I, I think about let's uh, think about a team who might be lower in the standings, like a Penn State. Yeah, 
Yeah. If Penn State gets all the way to the Big Ten title game and let's say loses, man, you are going to be dirty, sweaty, and full of anxiety. <laughs> I like I, that would be tough. So I think I'd rather it on Saturday. Well, you want to know something funny? You uh, you're probably too young to remember. Obviously, I think you are. This was almost forty years ago. Was the uh, MAC championship game, uh, for, including my alma mater, Central, was always on Sunday right before selection Sunday it was over like about three o'clock and it'd be like a small conference like that as opposed now with the big 10 is this kind of ironic how that's changed. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, central Michigan. What's it go Chippewas chips up. Is yeah. Right? Fire up chips. Yeah. Fire up chips. I should have known that. Well, it's funny as uh, you know, my, my biggest memory, they won a game against Creighton, I think uh, 20 years ago in the tournament, but I remember in 87 or it would have been 88 when they played, when Marley was playing against uh, Reggie Miller and Pooh Richardson and got thumped, but you know, at least they got there, but well, Subi, this has been great. Thanks for coming on. I would love to have you on after the tournament's over. We can rehash all the goings on in March Madness. Are you up for that? Absolutely, Lou. This was a real pleasure. You do amazing thank work. Well, thank Enjoy. you. Yeah, of course. Enjoy the uh, ACHA hockey tournament. Um, you know, I got my family's from the Boston area, so I know they'll oh, be nice. watching that as well. Yeah. Um, give us, before you go, tell us uh, about your podcast and what you got coming up. Will do. Yeah. So you can find us uh, Theater in College Hoops. Theaterincollegehoops.com is the website. Um, and then you can follow me at CBB Theater on Twitter, just a bunch of content regarding postseason play, Lou. Uh, so what, yeah. this is now Jerome season. It's called the Jerome where we pick the conference tournament winners. Uh, right now, this week, a lot of the smaller conferences are going like the Atlantic sun mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a few other, like a, a bunch of other, OVC, all those next week is when you get the big hitters, like the big East, big 10, yeah. big 12. Yeah. And uh, we'll be pumping out content for that. And then, just looking forward to the tournament. Like you said, it's going to be a wild one. Indeed it is. Well, Subi, thanks for coming on again. Enjoy March Madness. Make sure you get plenty of takeout for that first weekend, and uh, we'll be talking to you real soon. Thank you. I'll be sure to do that. Thank you, Lou. You betcha. Subi joining us here tonight. Um, What a great, great insight on the national tournament coming up. March Madness. Are we allowed to say that? Eh, until they yell at us, I guess we are allowed to say that. Um, thank, we want to thank him for coming on the program. Uh, catch him at the uh, the host of the Theater of College Hoops. Check it out at Twitter, at CBB Theater, all one word. So we want to thank him for uh, coming on the show. Great, great insight. I don't know, man. I still think Michigan needs to make – they've got a little work to do Two quad one games coming up this weekend, though. Illinois, I believe tonight, and then Indiana on Sunday, I believe. And so both road games, if they can pull one of those out, you never know. But it's going to be interesting to see. I, You know, like we talked about, can Purdue finally do something in the Big Ten tournament? Or I'm sorry, in the NCAA tournament. You know, they got uh, a potential play of the year, uh, Zach Eddy or Edie or however you pronounce it. Um but they always find a way to lose too. But, and again, with the Blue Bloods, North Carolina, I will believe that they are not in the tournament when I'm watching Selection Sunday and their name isn't called. They'll find a way in. And Duke will make some noise. You got Kansas, 
UCLA. It's they're they're the blue bloods, but I like what he said about Florida Atlantic. And again, they're gonna the projections have them play Michigan State in the opening round. And I think the winner of that would play possibly Kansas State. Wow. There's nothing like March Madness when it comes to hoops. And can't wait for that. We thought we'd start it today, March 1st. It's right around the corner. In 12 days, the brackets are announced. And then we go from there. And it's when it gets crazy with the play-in games on Wednesday night, then the opening round on Thursday, then you've got Friday. Yeah, it's uh, definitely fun. You're watching the Captain Lou Extravaganza. We are live here on uh, the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube. Subscribe to our network on YouTube. We've got all of our uh, broadcasts that are archived on uh, our YouTube channel, as well as our ACHA Power Play broadcast as well. Um, just a reminder that we will be in Boston for the ACHA National Tournament coming up uh, March 16th through the 21st. Five days, or six days rather, um, five divisions, three in the men's, two in the women's, some great college hockey action if you're in the Boston area. Check us out, and we will be all the games will be broadcast on hockey TV, flow TV. And but we here at uh, the Captain Lou Sports Network, we will be having the ACHA tonight wrap up show each night of the national tournament. We'll have all the scores, all the brackets, um, we'll have interviews, you name it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great setting for college hockey. That is the ACHA national tournament live from Boston, and again. Uh, uh, programming note, we will be on every night after the final game with a wrap-up on the ACHA tonight here on the Captain Blue Sports Network. So speaking of hockey, let's switch gears. Let's get the puck here. And as we uh, wrap up the show tonight, some goings-on in the NHL. The trade deadline is coming up Friday, and some players are changing teams. Uh, my Detroit Red Wings, they made some news today. First, not really a trade, but Dylan Larkin getting eight years, 8.75 per. Um, I like it. He's going to be a Red Wing now for the foreseeable future, at least for at least seven or eight years until the last year, if they want to trade him at the trade deadline. I don't know if that'll happen, but that's a long ways down the road. He's been, you know, the face of Detroit hockey for the last few years. Steve Eiserman's got the plan going. I know right now they're in seventh place in the division, but they're only six points out, and they've got games in hand yet on some of these teams. And uh, I know the Red Wings kind of got punked in Ottawa, to say the least, last couple of nights. So they're kind of licking their wounds right now. But I like the signing, eight years, 8.75 per, right in range with uh, your number one centers throughout the league. So uh, uh, there was talk that... Uh, small rumors going around that he might get traded this week. Well, that's not going to happen. So I, I, my hat's off to the Red Wings. Steve Eiserman getting Larkin signed up long-term. He is definitely the uh, the face of the franchise right now. Now they can uh, – are they going to be sellers at the deadline? They're kind of leaning that way because right after that, about an hour and a half ago, it was announced, and I love this trade, Philip Roenick to the Vancouver Canucks and a fourth-round pick. They get a first round and a third round pick in return. Now that first round pick is protected from the New York Islanders, but still, I think it's a hell of a deal. I love what Detroit did there. So now they're going to build some more draft capital. I was hoping they'd get Chichiran from the um, Phoenix Coyotes, but 
He's gone now. He got traded to Ottawa. Ottawa making some uh, moves to try to make a playoff push here at the deadline. Kind of, you know, Ottawa's a surprise. It's 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 fun to see see them kind of getting their way. I just wish they didn't take it out on the Red Wings the last couple of games. But now my question is, are the Red Wings going to be sellers, complete sellers? My next question is, is uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, is he on his way out of Detroit? Are they going to sign him? What are they going to do with him? We're going to find out by Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. But uh, some big moves for the Red Wings. Making noise here today. Getting Larkin locked up and, uh, you know, getting rid of Ronick, one of their defensemen. So, you know, they signed Wallman yesterday. Uh, he's benefited greatly playing with Mo Sider. And uh, I like what Detroit's doing. You know, I, it's been a while since they've been in the playoffs. But I like what Iserman's doing. They're 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 contending to get in the playoffs. Now we all know that they're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year, but you know, doggone it, I, I'm tired of having them play for the future. If they can sneak into the playoffs, get that experience with this young core. You know why not? And if they don't make it, they're going to get you know obviously a chance for a lottery pick. But it's a deep deep draft coming up. And they're going to have a couple of first-round picks now. That's awesome. Love it. Patrick Kane going to the Blue Shirts. You know, they've made some big trades. Now let's see if they can go all the way. Now, obviously, there are some log, there are some pillars in their way. You know, Boston, what do they want? Eight in a row now. They're going to, they're closing in on Detroit's all-time record for a single season. Uh, you've got Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, well, Pittsburgh's doing decently, but you've got uh, Toronto, you've got Tampa Bay, Carolina. Uh, you know, there's a lot of roadblocks in their way. But I, Patrick Kane wanted out. He wanted to go to, to the New York Rangers. I, I'm happy for him. He won three cups with the Blackhawks. You know, he was able to get out. They're in total rebuild there right now. That's a big trade. A lot of big trades in the NHL. Uh, this is the fun time of year. You know, let's see, kind of check out some of the other trades. Uh, you know, the Hurricanes getting Gosta Beher, um, the Avalanche getting uh, Lars Eller. Uh, you know, we talked about the uh, Red Wings already. The Senators getting Jakob Chicharin. Uh, the Coyotes get a first-round pick, top five protected. They get a second-round pick from Washington in 2024. That's a big trade. Um, the wild get Gustav Nyquist from the blue jackets, kind of a minor trade there. The Oilers getting a uh, defenseman, Matthias Ekholm. I love that pickup for the Oilers. You know, the predators get Tyson Berry and Reed Schaefer in a first round pick. They get a haul in return. I think that one benefits both teams. And uh, those are some of the big trades. The Maple Leafs got Luke Shen before the deadline. Capitals getting Rasmus Sandin. Uh, you know, the wild getting Marcus Johansson capitals, getting a third round pick for that in 2024. Uh, you know, th those are just some of the trades happening this week, a lot going on in the NHL, but it's, uh, now we'll start keeping an eye on the, uh, standings as we're getting close now, what, six weeks left in the regular season, about 20 games. So some of the big trades going on right now in the NHL. Um, Wanted to uh, end the show tonight, talk a little NBA load management. For those of you that follow me on Twitter at Real Captain Lou, kind of gotten a little bit of war awards with uh, 
Jason McIntyre from uh, Fox Sports. He's on with Colin Coward, and they were going back and forth on the load management issue. Now, I agree 100% with, with, with Charles Barkley. You know, you've got folks, and I'm going to put me in that example. A year ago, my son and I drove over to Milwaukee. You know, unfortunately, my son got sick. He got food poisoning when we got there, so we couldn't go to the game. Well, the tickets that we got were good, good seats. They're 125 bucks a piece. I figured spring break, why not? They were upper row, front, front row, upper deck. They were good seats. You know, you go to one game a year. So let's say you average 100 bucks. You know, and I know you could say this about any sport, but 100 bucks a ticket, parking, got a family of four, food. You're looking at six, $700. So a lot of families can only do that one game out of the year. And what a guy like Jason McIntyre, what he said at the end, on the end of the second hour yesterday just really struck a nerve. You know, and when Colin Coward, they went back and forth on it. He doesn't think that load management's an issue. You know, and he says, well, they, it's not my problem that if a family or a child who goes, tries to go to one game to see his favorite superstar and they don't want to play. No, I don't put it in. He said they should get a life and they should think of somebody else to, you know, just something else to look forward to. That arrogance just pisses me off to no end. And we went back and forth on it, you know, and, I, you know, I understand they're making all that kind of money they want and the teams want to, uh, you know, they want to say they want to protect their investment. But damn it, I'm telling you, you've got these guys are making 30, 40 million dollars a year. And like Charles Barkley said, they can't play three games a week. Now, I know I'm going to sound like the old man on, you know, get off my lawn, but. The guys back in the 80s and 90s who played a much tougher brand of basketball than they do now. It's a lot easier to play nowadays than it was 40 years ago. I know they didn't make the kind of money, but there was no such thing as load management. Kobe Bryant didn't do load management. Shaq didn't do load management. Okay, yeah, they might have played 77 games. They're not playing 60 to 65. So you're telling me it's okay for the teams to let these players sit out when they're on the road. You know, they're one time they go like the Lakers would go to play in Chicago or in Memphis or the one time that they might like, uh, I don't know, uh, Dallas comes to Detroit and Kyrie or Luka doesn't play. There's a serious problem in the NBA right now. They're losing, you know, yeah, their, their attendance is up, but, they're losing interest fast. And that's why I just I, I just can't get into the NBA. I, I try, I try, and I try, and I know we'll have the NBA playoff preview. I'll probably watch a little bit of it. And I know part of the reason, too, is Detroit stinks. But this load management thing is a huge issue. Something's got to be done. I don't know what it is that can be done. And the ones that are suffering are the younger, ta- the younger fans. Again, you know, some that – can only go to one game a year and uh, you know, like Giannis won't play or, you know, you name it, anybody, Kevin Durant or uh, John Morant or whatever, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who, you know, he's, he's the poster boy for load management. I I just find it hard to believe these guys are going to be making 60 to $70 million a year in the next year or two. 
and they're only going to play 60 to 65 games. And Adam Silver acts like there's no issue with it. There's no, there isn't a problem. Yeah, there's a problem. The NBA is turning into a joke. I'm sorry. You know, and I know my son loves it. And the younger, the younger, younger generation does love it, but it's a joke. That's why I just, I, I'm really looking forward to March Madness, college basketball. You know, for the most part, the players are playing it for the love of the game. I know now they've got NIL and they're going to start making a lot of money and before they even go to the NBA, but it's still there compared to the NBA. Yeah, whatever. So, all right, that's enough of that on load management. That's going to do it here tonight. What a great show. What a great guest. We had uh, Subi Terran Subramanian from the Theater of College Hoops, the theaterofcollegehoops.com. Check them out. Check out their podcast. He does a heck of a job and a great insight tonight on who's in, who he thinks is going to be in, you know, why the Big Ten always has the issue once they get to the big to the to the grand stage of it all. Um, great insight. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, it'll be on my YouTube channel. It'll also check, it'll be downloaded tomorrow. For those of you that like to listen to it on podcast, that will be on all the uh, platforms, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, you name it, check it out. We'll pass it along to on our, uh, you on our uh, Twitter and our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at the real captain Lou, follow us on Facebook, the captain Lou extravaganza, or Lewis Gamlin, or drop me an email, sweetlou1965 at yahoo.com. Well, that's going to do it for our show tonight. We want to thank everybody for joining us. we got a packed week next week as well as we get set for the ACHA National Tournament in Boston coming up March 16th through the 21st. And uh, we'll get you ready for March Madness again. Conference tournaments will be in full force this time next week. So, uh, It'll be a lot of fun to talk about that as well. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on the show. This reminder, keep your heads up, keep your sticks down, keep your feet moving, and as always, keep your minds open. Thanks for joining us tonight here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza on the Captain Lou Sports Network. Until next week, so long.